Hello everyone and welcome to the September 12th edition of WorkComp Academy Weekly News. I'm Renee Foltz with Floyd, Scarron, and Kelly. Thanks for joining us today. Let's get started with our litigation report. A WCAB panel decision ruled that an order to provide psychological treatment does not require a finding of injury to the psyche. Here's what happened in the case of Hammerley versus Carol's Restaurant. Sharon Hammerley suffered an admitted specific injury to her low back as a result of her employment as a team leader at Carol's Restaurant. The claim was accepted and benefits were provided. The parties agreed to utilize Howard Sue MD as the AME. The AME reported the persistence of intractable low back and left leg pain after a technically excellent low back surgery. Among other things, the AME recommended that psychological pain management be provided as the only hope to minimize her maladaptive chronic pain behavior. However, applicant told the defendant that she was not going to file a psychiatric injury claim. At trial, the parties litigated the issue of the provision of psychological pain management despite the fact that no psychiatric case was ever filed. The employer claimed that psychiatric treatment cannot be awarded solely on the basis of treatment being warranted for pain management purposes without industrial psychiatric causation of injury being first established pursuant to the predominant cause standard of Labor Code 3208.3. Applicant relied on the 2004 panel decision of Molina v. Zenith in which the WCAB found that applicant was entitled to treatment for her non-industrial psychiatric condition in order to cure or relieve her admitted orthopedic injury. The Molina decision cited the 1968 case of Granado v. WCAB and the 1983 case of Braywood Convalescent Hospital v. WCAB for the principle that an injured worker is entitled to medical care for a non-industrial condition that must be treated in order to cure or relieve the effects of an industrial injury. The Molina case is significant because it makes it clear that the Granado and Braywood outcome has not been affected by the limitation for psychiatric injuries required by Labor Code Section 3208.3. The work comp judge awarded the psychological pain management treatment pursuant to these cases and also noted that the current treatment standards for chronic low back pain, which are referenced in the approved chronic pain medical treatment guidelines, authorize psychological pain management treatment for low back complaints and chronic pain. The employer petitioned for reconsideration, which was denied. Quoting from Granado, the panel reaffirmed that treatment for non-industrial conditions may be required where it becomes essential in curing or relieving from the effects of the industrial injury itself. And now our fraud report. A task force comprising of local, state, and federal agencies has shut down four San Fernando Valley clinics that served as prescription mills from which bogus prescriptions for the powerful painkiller OxyContin were being issued. The clinics rated include two in Reseda, one in Northridge, and one in Van Nuys. The raids resulted in the seizure of computers, financial documents, and patient records. The investigation involved the FBI, Internal Revenue Service, Drug Enforcement Administration, Monterey Park Police Department, California Department of Justice, California Medical Board, and the California Labor Commission. Suspects have been caught throughout the western United States trying to fill prescriptions for OxyContin that were obtained from the now shuttered clinics. 
and others were caught trafficking large quantities of OxyContin using prescriptions obtained at the four clinics. And numerous legitimate patients said their identities had been stolen through medical care identity theft also involving these clinics. Prescriptions had been filled in their names and then billed to Medicare, and the billings were credited against the legitimate Medicare patients' medical histories, resulting in records indicating that they were using part of their limited allowance. The four clinics rated Thursday are linked to incidents or investigations in Arizona, Nevada, Oregon, Utah, Washington State, and nearly every large county in California. The investigation is also focusing on allegations of false claims resulting in Medicare fraud and illegal kickbacks to Medicare beneficiaries who sold the use of their Medicare card to prescription drug dealers. The investigation included undercover investigators who purchased prescription drugs just by presenting false identification at the clinics. No medical examinations were ever performed. Investigators said the evidence being reviewed in the aftermath of these raids could produce charges against doctors, clinic managers, office employees, drug dealers, and others. Jeanette Gallo pleaded no contest to one of the two felony accounts of insurance fraud in a Fresno County Superior Court. Gallo, an assistant manager at a Fresno jack-in-the-box, had filed a stress claim in connection with a robbery in which it was later discovered that she had allegedly played a part. The key to the conviction was immediate investigation by the restaurant owners who identified and dug into red flags they observed with the incident. Gallo had arrived early in the morning to open the restaurant in contradiction to company policy. The employer then noted unusual behavior on surveillance tapes and interviews with employees, which added to their suspicions. Their documentation and close cooperation with City of Fresno detectives led to the arrest of Gallo and her boyfriend on a grand theft charge. Subsequent follow-up by third-party administrator American Claims Management and their Special Investigation Unit led to the additional charges of insurance fraud. The employer is a member of the California Restaurant Mutual Benefit Corporation, the state's largest workers' compensation self-insurance group. Sentencing is scheduled to take place on October 19th. A convicted lien claimant obtained almost a year off his 12-year sentence in a case decided by the Court of Appeal. Renee Montez was sentenced in 2010 to 12 years in state prison for his part in a conspiracy to defraud two insurance companies out of $1.4 million by illegally selling liens on workers' compensation insurance claims. He was one of four defendants to be sentenced in the case. The other three people convicted in the case were Hector Parada of Moreno Valley, George Martinez of Apple Valley, and Cara Cruz Thompson of Victorville. In addition to his prison sentence, Montez was ordered to pay more than $1.7 million in restitution. The Court of Appeal gave Montez a break this week by reducing his sentence in the unpublished opinion of People v. Rene Montez. He claimed and was awarded additional pre-sentence conduct credits against his 12-year sentence pursuant to Penal Code Section 4019 as amended in January 2010. Prior to the 2010 amendment, the penal code granted two days of conduct credit to defendant for every six days in custody. After the 2010 amendment, the statute granted to certain defendants two days of conduct credit for every four days in custody. 
Montes contended on appeal that he is entitled to retroactive application of amended penal code section, noting he was sentenced after the amendment's effective date. As a result, his lawyers argued that he is entitled to 542 days of conduct credit and not the 271 days awarded by the trial court. The Court of Appeal agreed with Montez, relying on the 1965 Supreme Court case of In Re Estrada, where it was held that when a statute is amended to mitigate punishment, the amendment will operate retroactively so that the lighter sentence is imposed. The sentence imposed on Mr. Montez was therefore modified to award him a total of 542 days of pre-sentence conduct credit for a total pre-sentence award of 1,084 days. And in regulatory news, a controversial babysitter bill involving workers' compensation insurance and other labor law changes is now frozen in a Senate committee. Assembly Bill 889, known as the Domestic Workers Bill of Rights Act, would have required household employers, such as parents who hire a babysitter, to pay at least minimum wage to any sitter over the age of 18, provide a substitute caregiver every two hours to cover rest and meal breaks, provide workers' compensation coverage, overtime pay, and a meticulously calculated time card and paycheck. AB 889 has also been dubbed the babysitter bill. Live-in nannies must be given 8 hours of uninterrupted sleep a night and must be given 12 consecutive hours of free time each day. Under the proposed law, parents who knowingly and intentionally fail to comply with any of the above will be liable for attorney fees and costs, plus a minimum $50 for the first violation and $100 for each subsequent violation. The bill passed the California Assembly and quickly moved to the Senate with blanket support from the Democrat members that control both houses of the legislature and without the support of a single Republican member. When news of this proposed babysitter bill hit the internet last week, it caused a firestorm of controversy. The costs and risks contained in this bill are expected to discourage homeowners from hiring housekeepers, nannies, and babysitters, and increase the use of institutionalization and care rather than allowing children, the sick or elderly, to be cared for in their homes. Proponents of the proposed law claimed it would close loopholes in California's current labor law. Under existing law, people employing domestic workers are typically exempted from their requirement to provide workers' compensation if their employees do not work full-time. And a probable reaction to the avalanche of criticism and jabs by late-night comedians, the California Senate has now stalled the babysitter bill in committee, most likely until 2012. The California State Legislature passed SB 684, which makes workers' compensation policies more transparent and claims to ensure a fair and transparent process for arbitration proceedings between carriers and employers. The measure was sponsored by the California Department of Insurance and received bipartisan support. The bill provides that employers must be notified in writing and allowed to negotiate when an insurer intends to use arbitration to resolve disputes with the employer. The bill also gives a right to the employer to decide whether to negotiate and resolve arbitration disputes in California or under California law. 
SB 684 would require that employers be notified up front when they receive a quote that they can negotiate the dispute resolution provisions, particularly whether or not to arbitrate out of state and under a law other than California law. If the employer decides to accept that quote, a signature will be required on the disclosure to indicate that they understand and accept the terms of the policy agreement. The provisions laid out in SB 684 shall apply to workers' compensation policies issued or renewed on or after July 1, 2012. The bill is expected to be signed by the governor. And in medical news, British scientists have identified a gene responsible for regulating chronic pain and say their discovery should help drug researchers in their search for more effective targeted pain-killing medicines. Scientists from Cambridge University said that if drugs could be designed to block the protein produced by the gene, they could treat a type of pain known as neuropathic pain, which is linked to nerve damage and often very difficult to control with currently available drugs. Pain is an enormous health burden worldwide, estimated to cost around $150 billion a year in the United States. Studies show that around 22% of people with chronic pain become depressed and 25% go on to lose their jobs. Scientists have known about the HCN2 gene, which is found in pain-sensitive nerve endings for several years, but had not yet fully understood its role in regulating pain. The new study was released in the journal Science. And in other news, the city of La Puente has been warned that it has until the end of next year to clean up its act or risk losing its insurance, without which it cannot operate. The only other California city to face a similar fate is Maywood, which lost its coverage and ended up laying off virtually all of its employees and disbanding its police department. The California Joint Powers Insurance Authority has ordered the city of La Puente to meet a series of conditions by specific dates, including hiring a permanent city manager, giving notice of any harassment or retaliation complaints, and mandatory etiquette classes for council members aimed at teaching them how to get along. If La Puente fails to meet the conditions, the city's coverage could be dropped or modified, or the city could be required to find alternative insurance or to self-insure. Over the last five years, La Puente has gone through six interim or permanent city managers, one a former city clerk, and another who started as a part-time city hall volunteer. That's all our news and events for this week. Please check our website daily for news updates, for past editions of our news, and for much, much more. And remember, you can subscribe to our weekly news podcasts and special reports using your iPhone, iPad, or iPod by searching for WorkComp Academy in the iTunes Store. Again, I'm Renee Foles with Floyd, Skarin, and Kelly. Thanks for joining us today, and please drop by again next week for more news.